What's up, guys? Chris Harry with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly. Know your rivals. We gave you the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday. Today, it's the Las Vegas Raiders. Tashawn Reed of The Athletics is going to break down this Raiders team. A new city, some new free agents, and a new draft class. Let's get right to it. Know your rivals. Las Vegas Raiders. All right, as we roll on, get to know the, the Chargers' rivals entering 2020. It's it's still hard for me to say the Las Vegas Raiders, but that's what it is in 2020. Deshaun Reed of The Athletic, uh, the, the newest beat writer for the Raiders. Deshaun, I appreciate your time, man. How are you? Thanks. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm pretty good. Out here getting settled in Vegas. It's really hot. I'm coming from like 60, 70 degree weather. I was back home in St. Louis, so that's been a little bit of a shock, but good to finally be out here and get my feet on the ground. That's right. There's so many changes, the new stadium, just a, a new city. So it's a, it's a great time to be entering that beat, man. I, before we get to the Raiders, I, I want to just go back to the last few months, the last couple of pieces that you've written for The Athletic, you probably weren't expecting to write, man, but, but extremely powerful. Your, your connection to uh, Ferguson, Missouri, as well as just mm-hmm. your connection to COVID-19 and your family. If you could explain what the last few months have been like for you and then also being able to share that uh, through The Athletic. Yeah, I mean, you know, it started off with a lot of excitement in March when I found out I was, you know, getting the job to come here and cover the Raiders for The Athletic. I had been covering Florida State uh, for the first two years of my career after graduating from Mizzou in 2018. And so I was really excited. I was starting to plan to move to Vegas. I was thinking about the logistics of that. And then, you know, not long after that, uh, you know, my uncle John, he, he passed away from, from a heart attack. He had, he had been, his health had been declining for a while, so it wasn't a shocking thing, but obviously it's always hard. Um, around the same time, it, it wasn't big yet, but it was kind of bubbling up. COVID-19, you hear about coronavirus, maybe a couple cases in the U.S., but it wasn't really a thing. And so that wasn't really in my mind. Um, but in a matter of, I mean, a couple of weeks, like by the time they had my uncle John's funeral, it was a thing. There was thousands of cases and it was settling in and I couldn't go back home because of it, uh, just because it, we didn't think it would be safe to travel. Uh, but my dad and, and, you know, some of his brothers and, and sisters, they all went to the funeral, uh, you know, in, at, at some point interacting there, uh, my, my uncle Carlos and my dad both ended up contracting coronavirus. Uh, and my dad, I mean, he didn't know he was sick. And so he had already planned to, but he came down to, uh, I, after I, I found out I got the Raiders job, I went to, to stay with my sister near Atlanta uh, when I left Florida State. Um, he came down and visited us. And, uh, you know, I, the whole time he had it, we didn't, nobody knew that he had it. We were interacting with each other and acting normal. Um, and it wasn't until he left that he just started getting these flu-like symptoms. By, by then, my uncle had already got, started feeling sick. Um, so I think my dad, you know, he's, he started to connect the dots a little bit and, and figured that he probably had it, but he, you know, wouldn't get tested to make sure. And, uh, you know, my uncle Carlos, you know, unfortunately he had, he had, he had diabetes and he ended up having complications and passing away. Uh, luckily my dad, he made it through and recovered. Um, I never got tested and my sister never got tested. So I'm not sure if we ever had it, but we never showed symptoms. So it wasn't really a, a reason to on that end. So luckily we, if we did have it, we made it out. All right. Uh, but yeah, it just caused a lot of delays. I ended up staying in, in Georgia for a lot longer than I anticipated because I, I couldn't go back home to St. Louis while my dad, you know, was fighting through it and recovering. Um, and then finally, after about a month or so, I was able to go back to St. Louis, and that's where I've been for the past month. And then, uh, you know, just last week, I was like, all right, I, I think I'm settled in. I can, I'm comfortable enough to, you know, even though the virus is obviously still going on and there's a lot of things going on in the country right now, 
uh, coming off the death of George Floyd and the result of protests. I felt comfortable going ahead and moving. Um, it's been a weird time to kind of be in this transitional phase. I mean, even while I was driving, I drove 24 hours from St. Louis to Vegas, kind of broken up over four days. And the, the protests were kind of accelerating over that time, getting bigger and bigger. And I'm somebody that I'm, I'm from Ferguson, Missouri. And so, you know, I was 18 years old and, and about to go into college when Michael Brown got shot. Um, and I was in the neighborhood and he was somebody that I knew of. And, and you know, and so that, that one definitely hit, hit home for me. And I saw obviously the protests that resulted from that. So it was kind of like a deja vu moment for me. Yeah. Um, and so I hadn't really had the chance to process it until I got here and like wasn't on the road all, at all the times, you know, during the day and off my phone. And I've been able to process it and go through it. And, um, I think once I once I got there and started to think about it, the only way I could really um, vent those emotions was through writing. And I think that's how I ended up with those two stories that you mentioned. Obviously, we love your writing, Florida State and the Raiders, but uh, those may be the, the most impactful pieces you do this year, Tashawn. Yeah, quite possibly, man. I mean, like I said, I wish I, I didn't have to write them, but, you know, uh, I'm grateful that I was provided the platform to be able to tell my stories and, and tell my perspective. And at the athletic as a company, you know, didn't have any issues with that. I know some companies are a little hesitant to get into some of those things nowadays. And so uh, I'm glad that, you know, whether it's just people, you know, getting a new perspective or, or getting informed or if somebody's been through something similar with their family, they're able to relate and cope through me. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, while my job is to write about sports, you know, we can't ignore the real world and, and what's going on there as well. Well, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you got to read both of those pieces. If you don't, you should subscribe anyway, because it's great content all year round. But do me a favor, read Deshaun's pieces, because I think it's very important, especially during this time. Deshaun, we're, we're going to get back to football at some point. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, I know this is your new beat. Uh, what can you tell me about this offseason? A, a lot of movement, a, a lot of free agents brought in and uh, – a lot of buzz going into Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, I mean, the biggest news is, is just the, the investment in the defense. Um, I think, you know, the biggest name is Corey Littleton coming over from the Rams. Um, and then without him, Nick Kwiatkowski coming over from the Bears. Uh, something that Raiders fans have long been complaining about is their linebackers course, and they finally invested in the position, and then they seem to have their starting tandem for the future. Uh, they also made, you know, Carl Mosseeve, a defensive end, gave him a big deal. Uh, and so the free agency was mostly focused on the defense. I mean, the defense was, was pretty bad last year, and so it made sense that they would invest on, on that side of the ball. Their offense, you know, even though they didn't score that many points, they were pretty, pretty. You, know, you had the pieces in place. You have a really good offensive line. You have your quarterback in Derek Carr. You have, you know, the running back in Josh Jacobs. Then you get some more wide receivers. Obviously, everybody knows what happened with Antonio Brown last season. And so going into the draft, it was obviously a position to need, and you saw what their first pick. They got to get Henry Ruggs the third, the fastest wide receiver in the draft. It's a very Raiders pick. Uh, but he's somebody who's not just a speedster. You know, he's an all-around wide receiver. He can run routes. He can catch the ball. Uh, he's tough. Um, and then they get Brian Edwards, who's a big body target on the outside. And so I think that was kind of the, the way you saw it segmented. Free agency was defense. Not to say they, weren't, they didn't find offensive players, but that was the focus. And then in the draft, it was offense. And so they kind of addressed both of their needs on both sides of the ball. Uh, and they feel, I mean, they feel like they're pretty, I mean, I'm sure every team will say that at this time of the year, but they feel like they're pretty complete going into this year and have high expectations for their first year in Vegas. All right, a quick break to let you know that during this unprecedented time, Select Physical Therapy is focused on patient safety. Their centers remain open and offer a clean, safe environment for you to receive rehabilitation services. You don't need a doctor's referral to begin care, and they now also offer tele-rehab. 
You can easily connect with a licensed therapist through web-based technology that is HIPAA compliant right from the comfort of your home. Select Physical Therapy is the preferred sports rehabilitation provider for the LA Chargers. Visit selectphysicaltherapy.com to schedule an appointment today. Let's go back to the defense because you know, Jonathan Abram comes back too. It's essentially another first yeah. round pick who didn't play last year, Cleveland Farrell in year two. Uh, what are their thoughts on, on both of those guys? Cleveland Farrell, obviously, you, you pick him so high in the draft. I think that was a little bit unexpected. He had a pretty good year. Um, but, but Abram, he looks like he's going to be the, the heart and soul, really, the, the hammer in the back end. Yeah, coaches and fans alike, I mean, it's pretty much assumed that Abram is going to be a stud, even though he only played in one game, which is pretty shocking. I mean, you know, I mean, you don't really see that with too many guys. But, I mean, he's obviously an athletic freak. He, you know, he's a big hitter. Uh, I think there's some questions about maybe, you know, his coverage on the back end. That's something that, you know, hope, you would hope that he improved on over the offseason, his first offseason in the NFL. And, you know, being back fully healthy, you know, he should be expected to be fine at this point. I think Cleveland, for real, I think, uh, you know, for, given where he was drafted, number four overall, most people would say, you know, his rookie season, he, he could have done better, especially when you have Max Crosby on the other end, a fourth-round pick, you know, come out and get 10 sacks. Um, it kind of almost puts a – he already had a high expectation, but when you have somebody that was picked lower than you, kind of, I guess, quote unquote, outperform you, it only, you know, shines the, the light a little bit brighter. Um, and so there, he, he's somebody that he's, he's worked to reshape his body going into this, this offseason. Uh, and so they're expecting him to take another uptick and him along with Crosby kind of be that defensive end duo for them in the future uh, to handle that front end. And then on the back end uh, with Abraman and some of the young cornerbacks, they have like Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett that they just drafted and Amik Robertson later on in the future. Uh, you know, and then like I said earlier, you know, investing in the middle of the defense at the linebacker position, they feel like they have the pieces at all three levels to have a pretty good defense this year. David Arnett, the first-round pick, I, I don't think a lot of people saw him as a first-rounder, but Mike Mayock certainly did. Uh, what are they excited about with, with Arnett? I think the main thing with him is just his physicality. I mean, he's like one of those old-school – pressing man corners, he's going to get up into you. He may not be the fastest guy, not the most athletic guy, but he's going to stick to you. And that's what, I mean, obviously that's what ultimately matters as a cornerback. I think something at the next level, we'll have to see how he adjusts to that, that NFL speed and athleticism. Can he, does he have that long speed uh, for the deep routes? Can he keep up with, with some of the faster receivers in the league? Um, and then some of that, he'll have to improve his technique a little bit. You know, you can't be quite as physical in the league. Some of those penalties that you get away with in college, it's not going to fly anymore. Uh, but I think they do have some some insurance uh, by going out and signing Prince of Mukamara, uh, kind of mm -hmm. as a veteran cornerback, so that if Arnett isn't ready, they don't have to just throw him out there in the fire. And so, preferably, I mean, obviously, you take a guy in the first round, you want him to be able to start day one. But if he's not, they're not necessarily in a situation where they have to. Offensively, we know John Gruden loves his quarterbacks and his wide receivers, and that was on display in the draft. I mean, Tyrell Williams, the Chargers fans know very well. Hunter Renfro's there, but you bring in a guy like Henry Ruggs, that speed that the Raiders probably feel like they need to keep up with the likes of the Chiefs. And uh, you saw what the Broncos did to, to kind of get some speed as well. What do you make of, of the offensive weapons that uh, Carr has now entering Las Vegas? I mean, it's pretty loaded. Like I said, I mean, the offensive line, you could argue it's maybe the best offensive line in the league. Got Josh Jacobs, who emerged as a, as a star running back as a rookie last season along with Jalen Richard and, and Lynn Bowden Jr., who's a kind of a dynamic player they can use all over the field, wildcat quarterback, running back, slot, wide receiver. Uh, 
you know, obviously, like, like you said, Jackson, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, uh, Waller. Went out and got Jason Witten. I mean, there's, there's so many options for, for Carr that he has to be salivating right now to get out there and get into it. And, he, and I'm sure John Gruden is just drawing up some crazy things. And so all the pieces are there. So there's really no – last year you could say, all right, Antonio Brown injuries, maybe they didn't have what they needed on the outside this year. I mean, there's really no no room for that. Yeah, that's right. And then you look at this offense and the quarterback position. You bring in Marcus Mariota. At first glance, you're like, okay, hold on. Could Marcus Mariota compete with with Derek Carr for that starting role? Uh, what are you hearing? What are you seeing with regards to the quarterback position there in Vegas? Derek Carr is a starter. I mean, especially, I think, with this, the pandemic, I think, has eliminated some of the room for you to make a switch at quarterback before the season, you know, given the lack of opportunity just with practices and camps not being not happening as they normally would. Uh, there's even on, on the side of maybe Carr getting hurt, there's not as much opportunity for that to happen either. And so I think, assuming health, he's going to be a starter day one. Um, obviously, if they have a rough start, he's not playing well. You know, you're, you're making Marcus Mariota the highest paid backup quarterback in the league for a reason, you know? So, yeah. I mean, they didn't just sign him to sit on the bench. You know, if they're going to use him if, if Carr struggles. I don't know what the threshold for that is specifically. I don't know if it's four games, six games, eight games. We just have to see. But I don't think that Carr – it's at least going into the season. I don't see his starting job being in jeopardy. I talked to Nate Taylor uh, earlier this week about the, the Chiefs as well, and we talked about the, the rookies. And when you have a lot of rookies, especially during an offseason like this, the learning curve could be difficult. Um, what are you hearing about just the younger guys on this team and uh, just what it takes to, to actually be NFL-ready come September, Deshaun? It's, really, all 32 teams are going to have this issue with the rookies. I mean, they've been locked into the virtual, you know, off-season program and the Zoom meetings that they've been having. But there's no way to replicate, you know, that rookie minicamp, those OTAs, you know, the, the work that you get in, even in the summer months with trainers. Uh, and then obviously, you know, training camp, getting ready for the season. Pretty much the only thing they're going to have is training camp. I guess we have to see, like, what exactly training camp looks like this year. What are they able to do? What are they not able to do? And that's kind of, as I said earlier with Arnett, you know, even more so now, he just might not be ready because he hasn't had the opportunity to get ready. That's going to be That's the right. case for a lot of guys. Um, I think, you know, Henry Ruggs is somebody that they expect to even lift that. I, I, I'd be shocked if he wasn't a day one starter on the outside of wide receiver. That's probably the only one. I mean, everybody else could be in a situation where they're just not ready yet. You can't really blame the rookies for that. Um, but as a team, you know, you, you know, you draft these guys high, you give them these contracts, you pay them a you know, large amount of money. You want something, you want some kind of production out of that. So it's kind of a weird give and take because you don't want to force it. But at the same time, you don't want to dra- draft a guy in the first round just have him sitting on the bench either. Um, and so it's going to be kind of that balance of, all right, you got to get their feet wet at some point, but also being patient with it. No doubt. And I think you're right. I think Ruggs is the exception there. That, that guy's got too much speed to, to keep on the sidelines. <laughs> hey, uh, Last thing for you, the AFC West in general, we know it, it runs through Kansas City at this point, but the division got better, right? You, you see the what the Broncos did offensively, get a lot of weapons around Drew Locke. Uh, we, we talked about all the additions on the Raiders, and the Chargers really beefed up their defense. You get a healthy Derwin James, what, what they're hoping is a healthy Derwin James for 16 games, but then you bring in a guy like Chris Harris Jr., and you got those bookends, and and both San Ingram, Linval, Joseph, um, they, they've done some stuff to revamp the right side of that offensive line. Uh, what do you make of the AFC West this year, Deshaun? I, I think that the competition's going to be uh, a little bit better when it comes to facing the Chiefs twice a year. 
Yeah, I think it could be the, the best division in the, in the AFC. I mean, it's definitely up there. Uh, you know, it's just hard to separate. Obviously, the Chiefs are the leaders. It's hard to separate the remaining three teams. They're all kind of on the same playing field. You know, obviously, probably the Chargers are, for example, a better defensive team than the Raiders. But I think the Raiders have a better offense. The Broncos may have the best offense out of the rim reign in three. But how are they defensively? You know, it's so many. It's hard to tell, like, who's going to end up. I think they're all going to be very close, honestly, record-wise. I don't think there's going to be a bad team in the division this year. And I think uh, that obviously makes it tough on the teams that are within the division. I think they would prefer to be a bad team or two. Uh, but it should be exciting to watch. Um, and I think it's going to come down to those last couple weeks of the season to see who gets into the playoffs. Yeah. There's a Thursday night game in Vegas, Chargers-Raiders at the end of the year, man. I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing you during the year, Tashaun. I really appreciate your time. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Deshaun for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll wrap up our Know Your Rivals series with the Denver Broncos next week. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Harry.